Hi, I'm J.D. Sampson, and you're listening to Calm Down Queen. Hello, you are listening to the Calm Down Queen podcast, a podcast hosted by two San Francisco drag queens, Sue Costa and Vivian Fredermore, where we talk about culture, drags, local politics, and gossip of all kinds. Calm Down Queen is supported by Why We Listen. Why We Listen is a podcast that features conversations about music. In each episode, host Mark Kate asks his guests to choose three songs to play, listen to, and discuss. Past guests include Justin Vivian Bond, Eklina, Holly Herndon, Jesus Christ, and Michelle T. You can hear Why We Listen on iTunes, Stitcher, and at Why We Listen. He scared me. He stuck up on me. Hi, here I am. Oh my God, you're under the couch. Welcome to Calm Down Queen. Hi, everybody. My name is Vivian Forevermore. And I'm Sue Casa. And today I'm feeling bright. Oh, good. You look terrible. Thank you. And dull. (laughs) Yikes. This is the sound of me pulling my collar away from you. Oh, yikes. Goodness. Well, I feel lovely, Vivi, because I'm sitting here with you. It's very life. And all of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Viewers. So, it is, we are, to be honest, I'm going to be very honest and transparent here. Ugh. We are recording a few episodes in one day, because I'm traveling soon. Okay. And um, by the time this comes out, I will be traveling. I'll be not in the United States. I'm actually pretending that you're in Sweden right now. Right. We're recording second. this. Oh, great. Yeah. So, we're doing this live from Sweden. Oh, so you're in Sweden too. Yes. Hi everyone, welcome to Calm Down Queen, where we are recording from Stockholm, Sweden. Yeah, I love Sweden. It's so nice here and clean and everyone has babies and it's dark most of the time and um, it's clean and there's water pressure in all the showers Mm -hmm. and everyone's very polite and... You you really can't be drunk in public at all. I gotta go. Okay. You're gonna fly back to right now? Yep. Okay. Well, there's these cheap flights from Norwegian to Oakland. On oh, really? Yeah. Oh, good. From Norwegian. Okay, from Norwegian. That's a place. I want to go to Norwegian. It's wonderful. Yeah. Well, this is fun. I love Sweden. Baby. Yeah. Yeah. I see that you dressed appropriately. I did. Mm-hmm. You are wearing what I could. Uh, I'm going to start at the top today. Please. You look like you're wearing a. Um, what kind of fur is this? Oh, it's a baby seal fur cap. Mm-hmm. And by cap, I mean hat. It's really like an Easter bonnet, huge brimmed. Like, keep the sun out of your... There's no sun here, but keep the sun out of your eyes. Mm -hmm. Baby seal hat. Yes. And then, you're wearing a t-shirt of the pop singer Seal. So I see what you did there. Thank you. I see that. Mm -hmm. I'm going clubbing. Yeah. Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh, my God. (laughs) And under that t-shirt, you're wearing a long sleeve shirt. Mm -hmm. And then under that long sleeve shirt, you're wearing a dress. That goes all the way to the floor, so I can't even see your feet. Yes. And it looks I like, thought it was cold in Sweden. It is cold in yeah. Sweden. It's very north. 
it's very north and cold. And um, that dress on it has uh, looks like um, you drew yourself on it. Mm-hmm. Somebody drew on it. A five-year-old drew on it. Little pictures. That was me. Pictures, mm-hmm. pictures of Viking ships mm-hmm. and uh, witches burning. All true. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I did the drawings. Did you? It was my five-year-old self did them. So like, what, like 70 years ago? No, I just, I just put myself into that state. Oh, so you, um, you, you almost got to the toilet in time. And yes. You ate some crayons. Almost. Okay. Almost. And then you ate some And crayons. I ate some crayons. Yeah. And then crayons? Crayons. Crayons. Okay. And then I poop on paper. Is that? With the crayons. Five-year-olds. That's oh, how five-year-olds got draw. It. They yeah. eat crayon, crayons. And then you poop on paper. Then you draw. That is called art. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Vivi. Yeah. Can I talk about what you're wearing? But please do. So it looks like some sort of, I, I guess you had a, access to a butcher paper roll, mm-hmm. and you have just a bunch of paper yeah. wrapped around you mm-hmm. in sort of a tube. Yeah. It's and a I'm tube gonna, dress. I'm going to assume, I think it's super glue. It could be hot glue, but it probably wouldn't work. So I think you super glued an entire five-pound bag of Swedish fish mm-hmm. to the paper, all red, because mm-hmm. sometimes they have the multicolored, but you went with the all red, which I appreciate. But it's not, it's not the bag, it's the individual fishes from Correct. the bag. Fishes. fishes. Fishers. Wow. You put fissures all over your dress. Yep. So it's just a tube dress with Swedish fish all over it. Swedish fishers. Swedish fishers. 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 And uh, on your feet are, are thongs. Not the underwear kind, but the flip-flop kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, also made of Swedish fish. Yeah. You really committed to the Swedish fish thing because mm-hmm. uh, you're in Sweden. Yep. And uh, there's one simple Swedish fish attached to your forehead like a bow. Yep. Strange fact. Yeah. Swedish fish aren't made in Sweden. What? I know. We'll get to that in What's Vivi Reading. You're going to tell me that Swiss Miss is not made in Switzerland, aren't you? No, it's also not made in Sweden. Oh. Switzerland. Sweden. Sweden. It's not Sweden. I don't think you know how Europe works. Sweden. Europe? No, I'm up. Oh, God, Vivi. (laughs) I'm so glad you're far away from me right now. (laughs) Otherwise, I'd punch you. But you're thousands of miles away. I'm in Sweden, but, but so the sound are you. quality is still it's so, so good. good. It's amazing. Well, it's a Swiss microphone. But that's what we look like in Sweden, everybody. <laughs> so I'm in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you been? I have been so angry. Yeah. I'm gonna sip my coffee. Yeah. What are you angry about? I'm angry about that sound. I am. I have a bone to pick with you, Vivi. A boner. We're gonna have our first on-air fight, possibly. Our first one. Okay. Have we had fights before on air? Fake ones. This one's real. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. So because I'm bored and self-absorbed most of the time, um, I went back and I was listening to some of our older episodes oh, no. because I was curious. Like, Fuck. I've been doing this for a while now and like, how'd it sound? Yeah. So how'd it sound? It sounded great. Okay. But you want to know the problem and why we're fighting? Yeah. Because, and this is where we need our listeners' help. Okay. Because I need them to email us, Facebook us. So we have this ongoing debate about whether they are listeners or viewers. Yes. Because they're listening and they can't see shit. Mm-hmm. But we are, we are a visual medium of drag. True. But you are the one that keeps pushing this. Mm. And back on the first episode, you actually call them listeners. Yeah. And you correct me. And say listeners. Oh. So you're flip-flopping. Oh, and hey. I, I know. You're all versatile there. So I want to know, once and for all, 
what they want to be called. Our listener viewers? Yes, okay. our lures. So all eight of you, <laughs> please contact us at comedownqueen.com or email us at comedownqueen at gmail.com, I think. Mm-hmm. Or just Facebook us, post yeah. on our walls, be like, I'm a viewer. And then we're going to make a t-shirt that says either I'm a listener or I'm a viewer. Or text Vivi at 415. <laughs> just kidding. Okay. I just want to settle the debate. Okay, I think that we all know you're wrong. Yeah. Whatever, whatever the answer is, you're wrong. Yeah. But I want the listeners themselves slash viewers yeah. to decide how they want to identify for That's us. That's great. Yeah. I love that you're putting it in there. They can self-identify. Yes. It's very postmodern. Right? Thank you. I'm, I am very postmodern. Do you want to hear about my week? Uh, if I have to. Okay. Yeah. No, Vivi, how are you? How's I'm your good. week? I had this really... How's Sweden? <laughs> right, because I'm in Sweden right yeah. now. Yeah. Speaking of Sweden, I had this really interesting experience. Oh. So, hold on. Sipping. And it didn't involve me. Did not involve you. I no. Well, cheers to that. Yeah. People often ask me, they say, how do you guys, how do you guys plan your podcast? To which I say, are what? And then they, they say, do, do you guys really hold up on telling each other things till you're on air? And I say, yes, I talk to Sukasa as little as possible mm-hmm. because it's like I have to constantly hold in my vomit yeah. and my diarrhea. And what's nice though about having the podcast is now we have a reason for that. Right before it was just finding excuses to not talk to each other. Right. But now we can say, oh, let's just wait for the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so much better. It like is it, nice. It validates that need for both of us. So this week I had an interesting experience happen. Great. It well, I don't care, but I'm sure our listeners do. Viewers. So it involves sex. So if you are. I'm going to leave the room. If you're, yeah, if you're viewing with anyone who's at an inappropriate age to know what sex is, now would be a good time to ask them to leave the room. I just did. <laughs> So, Sue, I don't feel like I'm really talking to you while you're over there. Because you're not. Okay. I just wanted to get some juice, Shelby. So, great. No, I really didn't want to hear about your sex story, but if I have to come back, I will. Well, you do. So, I was in the Castro. I had gone to Honey Mahogany's show, which is a wonderful show every Monday. Honey Mahogany is literally one of my favorite drag queens. She is such a good drag queen. She really is. I just saw her last night in Star Trek Live. How was it? It was great. Yeah, yeah she was great. So then um, I was going past 440, and as one goes past 440, one should stop into 440. They should. Right? So I stopped into 440. I'm usually not there around a Monday, so I thought I'd just see what was happening, and I ran into some friends, which is super cute. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who I know who work in bars end up at 440 on Mondays. It's like the night off, industry night or whatever. Isn't it still underwear night? It is, which creates an interesting, quote, I'm doing air quotes, interesting mm-hmm. vibe. Like, because... Okay. Not, it's like a very low commitment to underwear night and only the second level is underwear. And right. you can see that from the first level. It's like a very strange, soft underwear, if you will. It's, yes. And I ran into a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Let's call him, let's call him Freddie Mercury. Oh my gosh. I was actually going to say Fred. Really? That is so weird. Psychic. I see him like drop dead Fred because that's what he will do once he has sex with you. Mm-hmm. It's true. Go on with your story. Thank you. So, well, <laughs> I feel like, you know, <laughs> I'm really funny. So, <laughs> you're so much funnier without this microphone to distract you. I know. It's like this shiny thing. It is. It's a shiny object. That I can so cool. lean into it. Hi, microphone. <laughs> so I'm, I run into this gentleman, Freddie Mercury, who's like this really cute, handsome guy who I've um, dilly dallied with in the past. And um, we're chatting, and then we make out. 
And then he invites me to his place, which is great. It's, I had no plans for Monday night. I was just like running around. It was just like a cute invitation. I was like, of course, I'll come over. You live nearby. And so I text, I have a guest staying with me right now, my dear friend Amanda, yes, who's Swedish. And I message her, and I'm like, hey, girl, hey, I'm not going to be home. We, she and I just separated from each other. She was going to take a cab home. I was going to ride my bike. And I was like, hey, girl, I'm not going to make it tonight. Make it home tonight, so just, like, don't worry about me. Um, just, like, know that I'm not coming home. And she was like, what, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm going to go home with Freddie Mercury. And... Um, <laughs> I'm sure she had a lot to say about that. I'm going to have sex. <laughs> I'm probably going to have sex with him. And she was said, what about the baby? So at this point, Sue, I must tell you I, that... I don't understand. My friend Amanda has asked me for my semen to make a baby. Are you okay? I'm not okay. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm just having a... Do you need a bucket? I might need a bucket. Okay. It, it was, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. First of all... Yeah. I had to just then imagine your semen. Well, yeah. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. It's very liquidy. And you're going to be a father. Uh, no, I'm not going to be a father. I'm going to be the donor of the male, the seed from a man or whatever. Okay. I'm going to be a donor of one part of a baby. Okay. I would debate that. What <laughs> What are you debating? Well, it depends how you use it. I think you're still a father. Um, I'm, yeah. In you're a not way, a dad. I, I'm not a dad. Okay. But I'm not a dad. Sure. You still would be a father. How do you feel about that? Having a, a being in the world that's half you. To be honest, I'm really ambivalent about it. Yeah. Um, I think like politically minded or philosophically minded, I don't know if I agree with reproduction right now. I feel like there, I feel like I know there are so, we have a problem with the amount of people on this planet. There's a limited You're amount. Me. <laughs> there's a limited, <laughs> am I? There's a limited <laughs> amount of resources. There's a lot of children who don't have homes. Mm-hmm. And there's something about reproducing oneself that feels a little like a vanity project. That being said, I love my friend Amanda. She is going to either have my sperm or somebody else's. And why not? Like, if she asked me for it, I'm honored. And I know, and she lives in Sweden, so the kid's going to have a certain quality of life. Like, however you want to, like, analyze mm-hmm. or politicize or whatever. The kid's going to have really great child care. Mm-hmm. Like, if I am going to give my sperm to someone, this kid's going to have... Um, a lot going for it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's taken care of in a lot of ways. So, I feel a little ambivalent about it, but I love my friend, and if she was going to get sperm from somewhere else, it doesn't, it doesn't tax me. It should be your scrotum. It should be from my scrotum. That is big news, Vivi. Yeah. My gosh. I mean, we don't know if it's going to take, because sure. my sperm are drunk. It's true. And so they don't, they can't. And stupid. Yeah, and they're gay. Right. So they're like, why am I in a vagina? They'll probably just be decorating it on the way in yeah. when we get there. <laughs> we like, need some drapes over here, please. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, where's the poppers? <laughs> um, this doesn't smell like shit at all in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Um, this so, asshole's wide and clean. Yeah, self-lubricated. <laughs> but not that a vagina makes a woman or a man. So um, <laughs> let that lie. So I... I was messaging with her at this time, and the reason she asked was because the next day, Tuesday, I was supposed to be giving her my sperm. And she and I hadn't communicated completely about what that meant. It was, like, the first time I was giving her my sperm. Like, uh, like, by completely, I mean, like, how often I'm giving her sperm, or, like, how often I'm not Mm -hmm. ejaculating before that moment. Okay. I never thought I'd say the word ejaculating. I never thought you would either. So, you've been waiting. I've been waiting for this conversation. (laughs) So, I had to turn to Freddie Mercury. Mm Mm-hmm. 
he had invited me over and it was like, and I was like, yeah, let's do this. And, and, um, I had to turn to him and say, uh, so I don't want to get too deep here, but whoa, I would be really glad to come over to your house, but I just want you to know that like, I'm not, I, I literally cannot come tonight because I have to give my sperm to my friend so she can make a baby. Which, I don't know, I feel like that's a little bit of a boner kill conversation. Like, not just in the, like, I I just lost my boner, yes. (laughs) Yep. How long have you been maintaining that one? About four hours, which, it's not worrisome. So I don't need medical attention, but it's been... Soon. Extensive. Yeah. Extensive. Mm -hmm. That's a very bold word for Thank you. you. So, I just had to, like, because I, I, you know, there's coming involved in sex, Mm -hmm. and, like, I don't, I don't always come when I'm having sex, but, like, there was talk of coming okay. with Freddie Mercury. I hope Freddie's not mad about this. So uh, there was, like, the idea that, that there was going to be ejaculate in the air, if you will. In the air. <laughs> well, you're really... So I had to say to Freddie Mercury, I had to say, hey, I can't come tonight. Mm-hmm. So. And what did Freddie say? He said, oh, let, why don't you come over and we take our clothes off anyway? Which was, like, the perfect response. Right. Especially it was a perfect response because I feel like an oversharer, obviously, because I had to say... You are. I'm saving my semen so I can get my friend pregnant. Like, yes. that's a whole... And I didn't want to talk about it, but I also was just, like, wanted him to know, like, I'm not going to... There's sure. no well, semen. In case he was expecting that, or right. you want him to think that you weren't into him. Right. Right? Like, I don't know. It seemed a little bit like an overshare, but it also seemed like a hilarious... Sure. I got to actually say somebody in a bar, which is, mm-hmm. to me, almost worth not going home with them. True. You know, being right. funny. And it makes a great story. Yeah, now I get to yeah. tell you. And so you bottomed then. I'm sorry, what? Since you didn't come, you were the bottom. The what? So sometimes yeah. when two, in this case, men get together... Yeah. One of them will insert his penis into the other's anus. Ooh, that sounds so disgusting. Oh, it's so good. You should try but it. But butts are where poop lives. Yeah. What and, happens if you get poop penises. on you? What happens if you get poop on you? You just suck it off. Oh. Yeah. That sounds really unhealthy. It is. You can get Shigella. I call it Shigella. What's Shigella? Shigella is a, just a stomach illness that happens. It lives in the poop. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, but that's how... We'll talk about sex Is this later. why God hates fags? <laughs> this is exactly why... Because fags go on on microphones. Hi, microphone. Oh my god, you're <laughs> drunk. Are you ready for our next section? I don't know. Are you ready for it? Do you know what it is? I hope so. Is it me? Yeah. Oh my god, it is time for Sue. Let, let the dogs out. out. Who? 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 Sue, Sue let, let the dogs out. out. Who? Who? Says so Scruff. I got two things to say this time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got some legit hate on Scruff. Which no. Was so it was wonderful. Tell me. I am going to tell you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out this person. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? They're, I'm going to tell their real name. Okay. Their real name or their real Scruff name? Their real Scruff name. Okay. Are name you serious? J. Like the letter. <laughs> yeah. Okay, perfect. So you all know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but I just got a message, and I love that they went out of their way to send a message. Just now you got a message? Uh, yesterday. Okay. Just yesterday I got one. I was going to check to see if they'd actively blocked me yet. Okay. But they went out of their way to send me a message. Uh, nope, they're still there. And the message was, seriously, last straw. Bye-bye. What was the last straw? Like, that I'm on scruff. Are like, you serious? Yeah. Do like, you know this person? I don't. What, what do they mean, the last straw? 
like whatever their frustration is about Scruff and the people on it. Like you made someone quit Scruff. I hope so, but he's still on there. I thought he would just block me. Now Scruff will never give us money. I know, but Grinder should. Hey. But yeah, it was, I got legit hate on Scruff, and I was like, good for you, girl. I'm glad you went out of your way to send me a message about it. But that happened, and Scruff has also treated me very nicely, Vivi. Mm-hmm. Very nicely. Who are you texting? Nobody. Is my story boring you? Yes. So who's... who's... <laughs> so I had, I had a lovely Scruff date. Tell me everything. I, I'm going to... And, um, it's... At any part in the script date, did you say, I cannot come right now, I have to impregnate a Swedish woman? I did not. Okay. I said a lot of things close to that. Yeah. Um, minus the Swedish woman. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, but, no, this is another, this is the little small world experience that okay. happened. So, a detail. I also, in my boring life, I play online Yahtzee. <laughs> It's, it's called Dice Free because it's <laughs> trademarked. So um, I play some Yahtzee with people all over the country sometimes. It's real fun. And I have a really butch name uh, in, in my Yahtzee. Uh, it's, it's very masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you wouldn't know that it's Sukasa. Okay. Anyway. So I had, a, I had a date and I had him come over here to the house. And we were just kind of, you know, having, I made a little salami plate with some cheese as I, as I do. A charcuterie. I, it's a charcuterie. Okay. A charcuterie. Mm-hmm. Um, and opened Ugh. a little, yep, you're welcome. I got a little nice bottle of Pinot going. Like, I was really, like, it was a real date, right? Uh, so then I realized kind of things were headed in that direction as they do. Mm-hmm. Not, I guess I was going to be the, the Swedish woman. And so I thought, oh, well, I need to go, you know, fix myself, make yes. it ready. Yes. If you know what I'm talking about. Yes. So I turn on the smoke machine, I decant another bottle of wine, I go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. know, just to sort of set the tone for him. And I uh, go to the bathroom, and I've got some time in there, so I play some of my Yahtzee. Mm-hmm. You know, often I'll do that when I'm on the, on the toilet. On the john? Yeah. So I play my little, little Yahtzee, uh, and then sometimes people play back right away. Yeah. Right? So I, I play back, and I was in there for a good three minutes is about what it takes me in my, oh. in my process. That's it? About that, yeah. Three to five. You're a well-oiled machine. Thank you. Um, And so then I came back out, and I went to go get something from the kitchen, and my little dice noise happened, because the Yahtzee thing happened. And it was him! Are you serious? Yes! We've been playing online Yahtzee for, like, two months now. You and Scruff Guy. And my Scruff Guy. Like, we just randomly got connected. So what did he say when he realized this? Then, because he played it in... We heard the dice noise, and I was like, what? And then I, I'm not going to say my screen name, because it's too masculine. Okay. But he was like, you're blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, you're so-and-so. And he's like, yes. And then we had sex. Oh. And then we laid in bed and played dice together. Are you serious? Yeah. Online. <laughs> Online. With each other. It was, you know, sort of interactive. Yeah, was it? But it's such a small world. So are you going on a second date or what? We are. No. Yes, we love Yahtzee. I mean, that, it's probably going to be part of our wedding. You're already at the wedding part? Um, yeah, I just, I have a scrapbook. I now have a scruff Yahtzee friend. Boyfriend. Yes. Husband. A future husband that we can play dice together. Great. But scruff was real nice to me. Thanks, That's so scruff. Thanks, Even scruff. Even though the guy was mean. Do you want to um, sing us into our next? I want to know what you're reading, Vivi. What's your problem? You look 
Here's my, here's my... What are you reading, Vivi? I want to know all about it. I read this book called The Far Away Nearby by Rebecca Solnit. Have you heard of her? No. She wrote this phenomenal book. Well, I think it contested for that. She wrote this good book called Men Explain Things to Me. Okay. Have you heard of the book? No. Oh, it was really big. I don't read. Right. We've covered this. Right. This book called Men Explain Things to Me is kind of like a feminism 101 book, especially for people who have no idea what misogyny is. It was based on an essay um, that she wrote called Men Explain Things to Me about how she was, the the, like meat, the the narrative of the article is that she was at a party and some man had read her book, she's a writer, and then explained the book to her, mm-hmm. and her friend was like, no, but Rebecca wrote that book, and the whole time the guy was just ignoring that part and was explaining this book to her, and she was like, oh, okay. Which is a common thing that happens to women, where men just explain things and whatever. But she wrote this book called The Far Away Nearby, which is kind of about the death of her mother, and the passage of time, and people, and letting go. Hmm. And it, um, I read it, the reason I thought to share it today is because I read it last time I was in Sweden. Oh. Every day I would take a bath for about an hour and Gross. read this book. What's, what, what's so gross about it? Oh, I just assumed you had to be naked to do that. Oh, so, I was, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's disgusting to you? Yes. Oh. But when I'm naked, I look really beautiful. Mm. You know what? I just want to say something to you. <laughs> ejaculate. Can you, mm. Ejaculate. <laughs> Vivi's ejaculate. <laughs> uh, Rebecca Solnit wrote this book called The Far Away Nearby. Okay. And this is a quote from it. Sounds like a paradox. It is. Okay. She says, listen, you are not yourself. You are crowds of others. You are as leaky a vessel as was ever made. You have spent vast amounts of your life as someone else, as people who died long ago, as people who never lived, as strangers you never met. The usual eye we are given has all the tidy containment of the kind of character the realist novel specializes in, and none of the porousness of our every waking moment. The loose threads, the strange dreams the forgettings and misrememberings, the portions of a life lived through one's, through others' stories, the incoherence and inconsistency, the pantheon of deus ex machina, and the com- compassionability of ghosts. So that was um, from her. It's a really beautiful book. It's, it's about her going to Iceland and her mother okay. dying. And she's a wonderful narrative writer and also very poetic. And what do you like about that passage that made you read it? Oh, I like that it um, is about... Let me open it up to refer to it again. It's about that it, being human is not, like, just tidy. Like, I am this, right? Like, the, this one... Um, You're leaking. Waking moment, the loose threads, the strange dreams, the forgettings and misrememberings, the portions of life lived through other stories. So it's about how we, like, it's... Humans, we, we humans, are not solitary creatures, right? We are, we are very much social animals, and, like, we are tied to others. But not only are we tied to others, but we are the wholeness of our experience, which involves other people mm-hmm. often. And that seems really... I mean, if you think about it, like, the highest punishment in prison besides death is solitary confinement, mm-hmm. right? Like, to not be with others. And right. there's something um, encouraging about that, but mm-hmm. also the way in which she talks about it is so poetic that it allows my mind to experience these ideas without being concrete, Okay, right? It's like um, a creative ex- expression and experience of it. Well, thanks, Vivi. Yeah. And that's what you're reading. That's what I'm, I was, I read last time I was in Sweden. But we, now we do our next section, yeah? Yeah, we do. We Let's... have a, a really amazing interview <gasps> with uh, someone I was on art residency with. Ooh. One of my, from one of my favorite bands of all time, La Tigra. Yes. And uh, this person's name is J.D. Sampson. Yay! Hi, J.D. <laughs>
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Calm Down Queen. How's it going, Sukasa? It's going so well, Vivi. How are you? I'm great. I had a little um, apple pie during our break. I saw that in just one slice. I had two slices. You were in the bathroom for a really long time, so I, I, I needed to eat. I can't help but notice there's a third person in the room. <laughs> You're nothing if not observant, Sukasa. I want to introduce our guest. I'm so very excited. Yay. Our our guest is J.D. Sampson, and J.D.'s bio reads, J.D. Sampson is best known as leader of the band Men and for being one-third of the electronic feminist punk band and performance project La Tigra. For more than a decade, J.D.'s career as a singer, producer, and DJ has landed her at the intersection of music, art, activism, and fashion. During that time, she has toured the world, produced songs for Grammy award-winning artists, written for publications such as Huffington Post, Talk House, and the Creative Time Review, as well as engaged in direct support with a wide range of progressive social and political causes. Her fine art practice has led her to shows, led sh- has led to shows, excuse me, at Deitch Projects, Deitch, Deitch Projects, SF MoMA, Museo Tamayo, and the new museum, as well as a residency at the Headland Center for the Arts, which is where we're recording. Hello, JD. Hello. It's really good to be interviewing you. It's a little weird because we've been neighbors for about a month now. I would call it best friends. <laughs> we have been best friends for a month. <laughs> or as some would say, best camp friends. Yeah. You know, because it's different. It is different. I mean, will our relationship last past this residency? Will our relationship change once we leave this space? Um, probably somewhat, because you won't be knocking on my door quite as much. D- am I the only person who knocks on your door here? Yes, but I like it. I'm not complaining. Okay, cool. Um, Sue doesn't Sue doesn't know you very well. Oh, what would you like to know? I want to know everything, all of it, JD. Okay, well, <laughs> I was born in 1978. What's your sign? Leo. You know what? We've been talking about signs a lot here. Do you believe in astrology? I do somewhat. I mean, my interest is in spirituality, and I believe what I need to believe at that time. So I'm not... I don't think everyone is always following the stars at every second of their life, but when they need it, it is there to help guide them. That sounds great. Um, before we get too into the hard-hitting questions, we have to describe what you're wearing. Sue, do you want to start? I would be delighted, Vivi. Thanks for asking. I'm going to start at the top, because that's where I like to start. <laughs> JD has a lovely quaff of hair. I just love it. It's sort of got a nice sweep forward to it, and it sort of just flies up like it's floating, and it's delicious. With these lovely, just perfectly round white glasses, um, they look sort of very, very 80s, early 90s, I would say. Sort of do the right thing, maybe. Um, and then that moves us down to a lovely gray T-shirt with some white stitching around the shoulders and the the sleeves. JD, I want to talk about your pants. You're wearing some uh, dark, dark blue jeans which uh, with a generous cut leg. It's not, I wouldn't say it's a peg leg, and I wouldn't say it's a boot cut, neither. It's pretty good. And then um, underneath that, we have some tie-dye socks, which feels... Do you feel like you're being affected by living in Marin? Well, these were a gift to me. I did bring them um, to try and fit in with Northern California wildlife. Do you... <laughs> Is it working? Are you fitting in? 
Yeah, a deer just came up to me and was like trying to hang out a couple of minutes ago. So wait, really? Yeah, a buck. Really? Yeah, I was walking up the hill to go to therapy, and not my therapy was on the phone, not up the hill. And there was two deer playing around and looking at me. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of wildlife here. And on your feet, on your feet, we have Reebok. Reebok sneaker, are, are, are those fashion shoes for you or are those functional shoes? No, these are functional shoes and they're very old. I think I bought them in 2008 or something and I decided that it was like one of those times you decide you're going to start working out and I didn't have good running shoes so I bought them and I cannot find a better pair of running shoes to this day. They don't make them anymore. They're zigzags, the first version of zigzags that ever existed ever in the entire world yeah oh well not these particular but it was the you know it was the year when like they were like we're so excited to announce zigzag running shoes what does zigzag mean i don't i mean i can put a picture of them online and i could see that the the bottom of the shoe has a zigzag what's the benefit of the zigzag i don't know it's just supposed to catapult you as you run or something but they're so smushy on the inside i love them they're very supportive. JD, what are you working on here at the Headlands? What's your art product? What's your practice? What's your practice these days? What's your art practice? Well, my art practice is in a transitional moment right now. I spent 20 years of my life being in bands. Um, they were all multimedia projects, but I kind of started my foray into the music industry through being an artist. So I'm trying to go back to those roots and remember my artistry um, before the medium of music came into my life. So although I'm using music and sound in a lot of my projects, my focus is more on concept and practice. So right now I'm working on a project at Headlands that's about juggling and failure um, and the way others see one's failure. Um, and that is of different mediums at this point. Um, I'm recording the audio of the balls dropping on the floor when I fail at juggling um, and doing drawings and making films of the motions of failing and picking up the balls um, and so many other things. Um, I, I want to ask because in your bio it like mentioned a few times like the political nature of the bands that you were in and I'm curious like is there one, is there a political implication within the work that you're doing now, which you said is a departure from what you have been doing? And then two, does art have to have a political implication? I think I've always explained my art as like inherently political because when I wake up in the morning and walk outside, being a genderqueer person, like I am political in this binary world that we live in. And I feel that whatever I do is political in that way. Um, but this project is a little bit different, um, being that it's been complicated for me to be vocal politically um, in the past few years based on the idea of being critiqued often. And um, that is such a complicated feeling for me because I'm so sensitive that um, this project is really about messing up politically 
and being shamed for that and watching myself kind of fail over and over again. So even though the product isn't like political, maybe to the outside world, it's extremely political for me. Cool. I'm curious then just about your relationship to failure in terms of what, what you've learned about it and maybe specifically this project you're working on, um, your relationship to it and how you deal with it and talk about it. Yeah. Um, I think when you're in the public eye, people expect you to be a politician and um, make all the right decisions and give all the right answers and have all the right vocabulary. But as we all know, that's impossible um, because we're all human and there's human error. So um, for myself, I try to be really gentle with myself and be continue to make decisions um, that are true to my heart um, with thinking about my community and others' reactions all the time. Um, and I think that's just normal when you are in the public eye. Uh, and that's your responsibility, especially as someone with the microphone and someone with um, the following um, that semi-famous people have. <laughs> Do you, um, so it sounds like you're talking about like, um, Mm, like you were saying about uh, like uh, trying to say the right words and all of this stuff. Like, are there? And we don't have to get into specifics, but are there like specific times that you, that you know that you've messed up and you've felt people react negatively to that? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think I always try to mess up in the most responsible way I can. And um, what I mean is that I try to stay true to myself, and sometimes that upsets you know, half of the people and makes half the people feel good. You know, being someone that sat at different lunch tables every day in high school and had like one million friends and was like the head of the student life committee in college, it was like, I liked everyone and I wanted everyone to like me. And that's no different than how I feel as an adult, which is that I want everyone to like me and I want to like everyone. And I want to be a bridge between different communities and help people see each other's perspectives. And that's not always an easy position to be in because it means that sometimes you're upsetting half of the people and most of the time it means you're upsetting everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about uh, bodies and work. Uh, so, in, so in your most recent or more well-known projects such as Men and Latigra, your body was on stage you as a person were on stage, you were part of the work as a performer. And I'm curious uh, with the work that you're making now, it, does it rely on the set? Does this make sense? I'm sorry, I'm not being very clear. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I mean, I think with La Tigra, I like found it to be a major part of my activism to put my body um, on display. And that visibility was very important to me and to my community, I think. And so, that was a huge part of my performance in La Tigra and my role as an activist um, in queer culture. Um, with men, I think it was more about like creating a community of that visibility. Um, and I came here to Headlands and have been thinking about this project and 
my body was never a huge part of it. But now that I'm here, I'm actually finding ways in which my body is a huge part of it. And realizing that in the past couple of days has been really intense and beautiful in a way. Um, because I'm kind of doing studies of my body as a queer body in the sense that I have breasts. And um, I did some naked juggling the other day and then made charcoal drawings of it, just like in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's just kind of interesting for me to experience working with my body in that way because I never have. Interesting. Um, do you have a question, sir? I do. I'm very just curious about the, the present process that goes on. I imagine this is my first time to the, the Headlands Art Center, and it's such a different place to do art. I'm used to being in some sort of small closet backstage at a loud club trying to produce some sort of art, right? Or in my own bathtub or living room. And it's really peaceful and beautiful here. You have this space. Um, it's certainly just a different vibe and mentality. And I'm curious what, what the process has been like for you compared to other, other art that you've done. I have a very small closet studio in New York that is totally focused on making music. So I don't have a big visual art area to work in I if I make visual art like counterparts to my music I usually take over my entire living room and have paint all over and everything and then I have to eat dinner at that table um, but here I have a studio about the size of a basketball court um, and you can probably hear the reverb happening because it's very loud. And I feel super lucky to have that. I come here every morning at 7 or 8 and just, like, am here until 11 at night. And the process is amazing for me. Um, Sue, do you think you're an artist? Great question, Vivi. <laughs> I do. I would say yes. Okay, that's good. I just was curious. Um, in making art... Uh, wait... Sorry, I have three questions. So queer art, quote unquote queer art, or capital Q queer art, as like a subcategory or another category to art. Um, and I know that, JD, some of your projects, like there's the, what is it, the lesbian utopia calendar? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just realized that my waveforms are smaller than yours. Uh-oh. But I think it's just because I'm a woman. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> can you can you can make a bigger wave <laughs> that was a wave oh wait you said genderqueer earlier and uh, when when people were like when i said i was coming to headlands and i knew that i was uh had an art residency and jd was going to be there and then i referred to you to she some people were like are you sure that's jd's pronoun and i was just curious like if you ever like i just i'm curious about that um, I identify with female um, pronouns. That is my preferred pronoun. Although I don't really care what anybody uses and I don't get offended if people use the wrong one or because I don't think it's wrong. I feel like I perform a gender that does not exist in the male-female binary. And so I don't expect people to understand that all the time or understand how to address me. But um, yeah, that's the general vibe. I think I just am me. I feel happy being me. And I 
do consider myself genderqueer, and I think that that falls into a trans fluidity. Um, but I don't really identify as trans. Um, although I feel that I could. Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I. Yeah, that's all, right? Yeah, I only want. I mean, I only. I. I only wanted to ask you because you said genderqueer earlier, so I just wanted yeah. like. I think it's an easier way for me to explain my genders to say genderqueer because I guess I'm just, you know, not non-traditional. Got it. Great. I wanted to talk about queer art. So queer art um, as a subcategory or side category, like you have projects, like you had the Utopian lesbian, lesbian utopia calendar. You had JD's uh, lesbian calendar. And to me, those... To me, those are art, right? They're just, they're art, but they deal in their titles with queerness um, and the identity or performance of queerness. And I'm curious, like, what do you think of the term queer art? Like, what does it mean to you? Does it, does it, I do, uh, yeah, what, uh, I, I, feel, I feel like there's a lot to say about it, so I don't know. Just, is queer art just art? And we have to call it queer because the normative structure and society we live in is straight or heteronormative, and then we have to, like, call it out or... What do you think? Um, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, sometimes I really appreciate being part of group shows that are, you know, quote unquote queer art shows um, because I think that they're relevant to our community and what our community is talking about right now. Um, and then other times I feel like um, I like being part of shows that aren't about um, only queerness, but that involve a lot of different kinds of um, people and communities. I think the problem with being in those shows is sometimes being tokenized as the queer artist. And that's something that I have talked about a lot and thought about a lot in the recent, in recent years, um, just kind of related to being, um, asked to be a part of something because you're a woman or because you're a lesbian or because you're a queer person. And I think many people um, in different communities feel tokenized um, in that way. And I don't think, I. a lot of times I think it's valuable and important to make yourself visible in those spaces um, so that we can be queer in the rest of the world um, and not just sectioned off into our specific community category space. Um, I have a question. Uh, a few years ago, you wrote an article in the Huffington, for the Huffington Post about being an artist in money. And for what I remember of it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that like there's an assumption that if you're an artist who travels and goes places, you're, you must be rich and like really living the life and all this. Um, and I think I remember you even saying something like, was the word regret in there about like not having a more, a more smarter financial thing? Um, my parents raised me to do what made me happy, and sometimes I wish they raised me to make sure I had enough money and to be happy. And so I'm just curious about that experience with you. Yeah, I mean, there's this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is kind of about like rich dads teaching their kids about how to deal with money. And um, I did not grow up with a rich dad and um, I find that book to be really interesting because I didn't learn anything about money. I didn't even understand that financial aid for college meant that I had to pay it back. So 
at the end of my college career, I went to the most expensive college in the country and had a ton of financial aid. Uh, I had a bill for like a hundred thousand dollars and would and had no idea that I had it. Like, how could I have not known that? You know, so I feel like I wish I definitely was more responsible with money and that I even knew how to be responsible or like that I knew that you one should be responsible about money. I didn't even understand that there was such a thing about being responsible with money, which is so weird. Um, and my career has been incredibly amazing. I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful to have made money through my art. Um, I feel super privileged that I am in that space. Um, and I feel like there was a point at which the music industry was changing and I no longer could survive off of the money that I made from being a musician, which also probably um, had something to do with like my fame and success changing, which is real. Yeah, so I mean, that article was really interesting because I wrote it out of frustration for not being able to get an apartment because I didn't have a real job and I couldn't prove my income and nobody wanted to give me an apartment because of that and also because I didn't have a cosigner and because I am a lesbian genderqueer. <laughs> so, I, you know, I went to appointments to look at places and people automatically turned me down. You know, you're a DJ, you're a musician, you look like that, whatever. So I was just feeling really bad and I think um, it definitely came out of that frustration. And it's interesting to me how much kind of debate it caused and how much conversation it caused. And I think the one thing I can say is that I feel happy that there's a conversation happening about money um, both within the music industry and with artists. And I think that that hadn't really happened yet. I will definitely say that a lot in that article was not fully thought out. Um, and I think that I didn't realize how many people were going to read it. So um, I was just like pissed off and wrote this thing. And then it was all over the world. And I felt like really freaked out about it. And that would be something that I regret not thinking harder about. What kind of what kind of negative feedback did you get then? It sounds like you got some kind of negative response. A lot of people were like, well, why then don't try and live in Williamsburg? Or like people were like, you're so privileged, like you should you like you've never had a job, you know, like that kind of a thing. Which is real. And um, some people were, like, upset about how I said it. it was, like, I'm trying to, like, keep up with other people's, like, fashion and stuff like that. So next, JD, is a section that we call Inspiring Minds Want to Know. Are you ready for it? We just ask you a couple opposite. I know I ask you a question that I don't even give you a chance to even answer. Are you ready for it? Yes. <laughs> so we will give you some potential opposites, and you just pick one. First, noodles, rice. Rice. Beef, chicken. Chicken. Top, bottom. Well, that's an interesting one. 
because you're not supposed to say what you are or what you like? Well, there's no rule as to like what you pick. Like you pick for whatever reason you want to. It's not like you could change the reason you pick any of them whenever you want. So it's not like you're going to be like top and everyone's going to be like, you're a top or you hate tops. You know, it's just top or bottom. Okay. Bottom. That's your, is it my turn? Oh. Oh, gin or whiskey? Whiskey. Hugs, money. Hugs. Lesbian, queer. Lesbian. Outer space, ocean. Ocean. Deers or raccoons? Raccoons. City, country. Country. Oral, anal. Anal. Sue Casa or Vivienne Forevermore. Vivian Forevermore. Yeah! <laughs> and that's one point for Vivi. I think that's the first time I got picked. Oh my God. Thank you, JD. Um, yeah, but you don't know if I meant that I liked you better or not. It's true. It's true, but it's the first time I got picked. It doesn't matter. It could be the most undisgusting, but I got someone picked me. I just wanted to be picked. You got picked last in gym class, didn't you? Um, unless we were playing dodgeball. I was really good at dodging balls. Interesting. <laughs> um, JD, I have, a, I have a question for you. Um, what are you doing after this residency? Where did, what are you doing next? I am going to be doing an installation at the Mix Festival in New York. And um, with... Drew Denny, which is called Elements, and it's about the eroticization of the four elements of air, water, fire, and earth. Um, it's a video sound sculpture installation, which is exciting. And then I'm going to Australia to do a talk for a series called Face the Music, which I'm going to talk about tokenism. And I'm also going to make a film there and DJ. Uh, wait, uh, you also have a record label. Oh, I do have a record label. It's called the Atlas Chair, and I run it with Inga, Inga Colson, who's an amazing publicist and music industry genius. We release records for bands such as Bottoms, Baby Alpaca, The IQ, Claude Violante. Um, who else? Who else? Yeah, but that isn't. Oh, it's this is coming out later. So well, it's coming out in, in a month. Now. Yeah. So Kitten Forever is very exciting for us. We, they're we're doing a release for them mm -hmm. soon. And Bianca Cassidy from Coco Rosie. Oh, wow. That's really awesome. Yeah. So that's been a lot of my life. Um, what does it mean to be a record label? Like, what do you, what, like, what is, like, what, like, you wake up in the morning, pour some coffee, then what happens? Um, for the most part, I do all of the, like, label management and a lot of the A&R stuff. So we choose bands that we think deserve um, to be in the world and have a larger fan base than maybe they do and help to promote and project their music to the right people 
and um, have it distributed to the right places. And at times, print vinyl for them with beautiful covers and help them along their way in whatever they need. Do people like end up staying with your label, or are you like into like are you like the door like the doorway to the next bigger thing? The impetus to starting the label was about projecting and propelling new bands um, with introductory EPs um, out into the world and kind of like birthing a band into the industry. Um, But now we're getting into working with bands that already have a career and kind of helping them to see themselves on the journey that they would like to be on. That sounds awesome. How do you pick your bands? Um, It has a lot to do with their personality. Um, Generally, we like people that are really dedicated to their practice and that are really focused and psyched to get their music out and work really hard. And we have to, of course, also like the music. But, you know, there's no specific genre. We just really like to work with people that feel like family. Where do you find them? They usually come to us or we meet them and become friends and then it just makes sense. Oh, that's rad. That sounds great. Yeah, it's been awesome. Sue, anything from you? Are you trying to make a record, Vivi? Is that what this conversation is about? I've been recording my morning farts this whole time I've been at Headlands because it's always a big moment for me. And so I was thinking about cutting in a dance beat and then uh, sampling some Arthur Russell and just, you know calling it a day do you think there's a future for me jd i'd love to hear it do you want (laughs) to that was that was a firm no that was a firm new england passive aggressive no (laughs) um jd thank you for being with us for our interview of course thanks for having me it's our pleasure sue anything from you thank you for letting us in your studio it's been wonderful Oh my god, I love it in here. Can we can we just hang out and dance to my fart beats? Um, sure. Great. <laughs> See you guys. That's it. You've been calmed down. Bye. 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 Bye.